Michelle Gothier, and you're listening to the Overwhelmed Working Woman Podcast. Today, we have a guest on the podcast, and it is my friend and fellow coach, Laura Conley. And she is going to tell us about what she coaches on. And it's very interesting because she talks about and teaches women how to lose weight for the last time. But in doing so, she does a lot of coaching and uses a lot of the techniques that we talk about on this podcast here. So she, for example, talks about people-pleasing eating. So eating to please other people and how it's okay to take care of yourself first and how that's the first step in getting to your dream weight. And even I questioned her about if it's okay to say we want to weigh a certain amount instead of just loving our body as it is. So take a listen to our interesting conversation. I learned a lot just in talking to her, and I think you will too. At the end and in the show notes are all the ways that you can reach out to Laura if you're interested in following her too. I'm on her email list, and I always love the emails that she sends out. Okay, here she is. I want to welcome my friend, Laura Conley. She is a coach. Tell us who you coach. Kind of tell us your own backstory because I like your own backstory about how you got here. And then I have a bunch of questions for you because I feel like what you coach on is something that overwhelmed women really struggle with. Yeah, totally. Okay. So first of all, thanks for having me on. So fun to be here. My name is Laura Conley. I am a life and weight loss coach and I became a weight loss coach because I struggled with my weight like since I can remember since I was probably 12, 13, 14. And it wasn't until I had my daughter over six years ago that I decided to heal this relationship with myself, my body and food once and for all, because over my dead body, was I going to pass it on to her? So the story goes, I was six weeks postpartum. I was getting out of the shower. I was butt naked. And I caught myself beating myself up for the way my body looked six weeks postpartum. I know. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, I was like, no. And I just had this kind of like come to Jesus moment where I was like, you will never speak to yourself like that ever again. Because if you do, your daughter is going to speak to herself that way. And I just had this knowing of even though at that point I like knew all the right things to do and say, I just knew that if she grew up and caught me catching a glimpse of myself in the mirror and it was disapproving that she would inherit that. Even if I said the right things, I knew that my inner voice was going to become her inner voice. And it was, it was really like something came over me. So prior to that, I really had accepted defeat. I was like, this is just going to be my thing. I'm just going to yo-yo for the rest of my life. I'm just going to be the girl that's always on keto or then totally not and eating all the things. I'm just going to be that girl until I had her. And I was like, I will not accept defeat. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to find the answer that I thought there was no answer for. And so I went on a mission. And luckily, a lot of my background kind of led me to the answers through life coaching and through meditation and through yoga. And I kind of pulled my past to create what is now the yummy mommy method. So when I finally solved it like once and for all and really weighed my dream come true weight, but also loved my body and loved my, like this is the other nuance, really loved the way my body looked, right? I wasn't striving for this like fantasy body. I I really think that a lot of us can get to body love, but can we get to the way my body looks love? And so Mm -hmm. once I got to that spot, 
I mean, I was just shouting it from the rooftops. I like couldn't, I, I still almost can't believe it. Like my husband, I'm like, can you believe that I really did this? Cause he had been on this journey. He's cause I've known him since I 18. So he's been on this journey with me this whole time. He's so happy. And I weigh what I want. He's so probably so happy you don't have to talk about it anymore. That's what he said. He, he came on my podcast and he was like, it's just so boring. Like, I just didn't want to hear about the next diet. And he's like, and I'm so happy that you're so happy now. So it was great for him. And I always be like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. So it's almost like I had the same moment where something came over me. And then I had this knowing that I had to bring it to the moms and the women of the world because mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't alone in this. And I was like, I have to free these moms. I have to figure out how to basically package what I just created and and free the moms from the traps that that diet culture and the conditioning and programming and socialization that we that we inherit. I have to help them free themselves. So that's kind of the backstory uh, of how how it came to be. Okay. That's that's awesome. I love that. I think that this is really relevant to overwhelmed working women, which is who we're talking to, because we always tend to push ourselves to last place. And even if we want to be healthier, eat better, we just don't make the time to do it until everybody else has everything that they need. So that's point one. And I want your opinion on that. And then the other thing is, I feel like triggered when I hear you say, what weight do you want to be at? Because I feel like, oh my gosh, we can't talk about weight. We can't talk about how much we weigh or what we want our bodies to look like. We just have to have like body positivity for whatever it is. So whichever one of those you want to start with, maybe start with the first. Well, let's talk about that for a second. (laughs) It's like, it's literally taboo now. It's taboo to be like, I want to lose weight. It's taboo to be like, I want to have my dream come true body. It's like a dirty word. I swear to God. Right. I think we've swung the pendulum too far because it used to be like crazy diet culture. And then we swung the pendulum all the way over here to body positivity. And I'm all for body positivity, but if it's real, I I fake did body positivity for years and years. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love my body because I thought I was supposed to. And I felt like wrong and bad for not love. So it was like my dirty little secret that I didn't love my body for so long, especially as, as a yoga teacher. I taught yoga full-time in LA for eight years. And I had like a lot of shame around like, oh, you, you know, you're this is you're supposed to love your body. And so I kind of want to give like women permission to want to lose weight. You're allowed to want to lose weight. And the reasons you want to lose weight are probably very valid and legit. Even if one of those reasons is to rock a bikini, you're allowed to want to rock a bikini. You're also allowed to want to change the legacy in your family and not pass down diet culture or whatever, you know, whatever it is that you and yeah. Right. So, um, I do think that we're taught, like you have to love your body at, at any size and yeah, you can love your body at any size if that's true, unconditional love. But if you are faking it, like I was, I want to give you permission to want to lose weight because that is an act of self-love admitting to yourself that this is something that you want is an act of self-love because if you want to lose weight, that is a deep desire within you. And the reasons behind it are true and real. And a lot of them are, are health reasons too, or just to feel good in our body or to have a nice experience with ourselves when we get dressed. Like 
getting dressed sets the tone for your whole entire day, right? You're not, when you have a positive experience, you get out of bed and you feel good in your body and you're kind of like light and alive. And then you get dressed and your closet isn't beating you up and giving you side eyes because you can't fit into anything. And it's actually a pleasant experience that carries into your whole day. And that's our whole lives. So if you have this desire inside, I want to encourage you to like stop ignoring it and to listen to it because you listening to you is an act of self-love. It really truly is. And you ignoring your deep desires is is not loving. It, that's not positive. That's not body positivity. I don't know what that is, but it's not that. So <laughs> you got me all passionate, Michelle. I know, I know. Just like we were talking about the the Barbie manifesto, like you have to want to be healthy, but really you want to be skinnier. I can't remember the exact wording, but it's like, don't say what you really want. It's, it's bad to even talk about it. And just the other day, my daughter's 13 and she just asked me, so mom, I've been teaching her all along in her whole life about like protein. Okay. If you're hungry, eat some protein and some carbs, whatever, trying to give her like some, you know, ideas of what to do with stuff. And she's like, so mom, the part I don't get is are calories good or are calories bad? And I was frozen with fear because I was like, oh, I can't mess this up. I don't know what to say to her. Like I'm going to damage her whole life. You know, if I say they're bad or they're good, but not too many. And I don't know. I just think it's so stressful right now to even think about talking about it. So for you to just give permission to be like, okay, if you I mean, not my 13 year old, but like if anybody, an adult wants to say, oh, I'd like to go on spring break and feel good in a bikini just because I want to, you can do that. That's allowed. I mean, people will be like, I don't want to tell you my reasons because some of them are vain. I'm like, the work that you're going to do to lose weight for the last time is going to be deep work. I don't care if you have vain, quote unquote, reasons. And a lot of my clients have kind of a mixture of of both, quote unquote. Again, we don't have to label calories. We don't have to label our reasons. But you want it for, if you do want it deep down, you want it for a reason. And it's not bad or wrong to want it. And you don't even have to tell anybody except for yourself. Like I do get clients that like <laughs> don't tell anyone that they're doing my program because of the way that our society has trained trained us mm-hmm. to like feel shame mm-hmm. about wanting to lose mm-hmm. weight. Yeah. And then people see her and they're like, why do you look so confident? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please tell me all your secrets. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, you brought up the other point too about like you're over these overwhelmed working women that we're talking to today, you know, it's really easy. And I did this for so long. It's really easy to put ourselves at the bottom of the list or like not even put ourselves on the list, like at all, especially when it comes to like getting healthy or, or losing weight or, or whatever the thing is. And I, I just want to like validate that for the listeners that like, that's normal that you've fallen to the bottom of the list because again, that's the way that we've been trained, right? It's like everyone else, but like we get accolades, we get like freaking trophies as women for not being on the list. Like, yeah, yeah, like it's a compliment to say, oh, she's so selfless. She's so selfless. <laughs> and I, I, I just saw it was a guy and he was like celebrating his mom, and that was all like great and proper and cool and whatever. <laughs> But he was like, she was the most selfless woman. And I was like, oh, F that. I got so mad because that just perpetuates it. And then it's like, what is his partner then or his wife or whatever? What messaging is she getting? And then what is his daughter? Like, what messaging is she getting? And I'm like, oh, it just frustrates me so much because 
I really think, and I, I, I think number one, it's totally down, totally normal to like not be on the list or to be at the bottom. And it can be scary to put yourself on the list or put yourself at the top of the list. And like, I kind of think we all just need to take a leap of faith and just try it. We can always go back to the old way, but it's like waiting till you're not scared to put yourself on the list or number one, two or three is probably not going to happen. You're probably just going to have to like feel the fear and do it anyways. And then see that it's, it's better over here when we're on the list. Like the first act of true selflessness is selfishness because we really can't pour from an empty cup. We really can't contribute in the way that we're meant to contribute to this world when we're just a shell of ourselves. I get this image sometimes, Michelle, of like women walking around like just these, like these zombies, like these shells of ourselves, because we, I don't know where I got this imagery. It just comes to me sometimes. <laughs> and I just see us like as women, like just zombieing, driving through the carpool lane, sitting in traffic, showing up for the bake sale, running the board meeting. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just driving through to get lots of coffee to make it through and, you know, not feeling good about ourselves and doing everything for everybody else. I totally agree. I think the other perception is, and you and I both know as life coaches, change is hard. You have to feel a certain amount of discomfort if you want to change something. But I do feel like if you're going from a place of, I never work out and I don't eat healthy and I don't prep meals and those kinds of things, it feels so overwhelming to think about doing that. So what do you say or how do you coach your clients on that? Yeah, because it can feel like, okay, we have to start doing like two-a-day workouts and we need to like go to this grocery store and then you have to go to Trader Joe's too because we have to get... So I actually like to teach my clients like, we're going to lose weight for the last time without meal prep, without deprivation, without exercise. It really does sound like way too good to be true. Um, (laughs) It really does. But what I ask my clients to do is what I call brush their brain every day. So I have my clients journal for five minutes a day. And that is the daily practice. That is it. And when it comes to food options, I also teach them that in any situation, no matter what, there's always something that they can have that's going to work for their bodies. Now, I don't give my clients a plan. I encourage them to create their own plan with, uh, it's a very systematized approach so they know exactly what to do and how to create it and how to test it so that it works for their unique body, right? Because like we all know one size doesn't fit all. So this is very customized, but I hold their hand in in, um, creating what they're going to eat and what they're not going to eat. Or, you know, some clients don't cut anything, right? And they just, that's a whole nother conversation. But My point is, all you have to do is a journaling practice. And what I like to recommend is that in your journaling practice, you just write down what you're going to eat for the day. If you know where you're going to be, what you ate yesterday. And this isn't, we're not calorie counting. We're not counting anything. We're just bringing awareness to what we're eating and is it working for us from a weight perspective, but also from an energy perspective, because a lot of us are eating foods that we're crashing from at 2 p.m., right? So it's also like, a holistic approach to like, is this working in terms of like me feeling the way I want to feel in five minutes and five hours and five weeks and in five years. That's kind of like how I frame it. So this daily brushing your brain, it's what did I eat yesterday? What am I going to eat today? Where's my compelling reason? Like, why am I even doing this? Like, why am I even eating in this way? And so I have my clients journal every single day, five minutes, and that sets the tone so that they know what they're going to have. They know why they're doing what they're doing. I also have them, 
there's a couple more questions. I don't want to like get too detailed, but um, like I'll, I do have them do a gratitude practice too uh, as a part of it because when they feel really good in their bodies, it's just really easy to make good decisions that mm-hmm. are supportive. There's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of science behind it. But so I would just say to start, which is going to sound like kind of counterintuitive, like most people that are listening, they're like, just give me a diet. Just tell me what to eat and tell me what not to eat, right? And what I want to say is journal every day what you ate yesterday and what you're going to eat today and why, like really get lit up by that why. I do teach hunger hormone balance. So I teach my clients how to go from being, most of us in our country and our culture are insulin resistant. So I bring them into insulin sensitivity, which just means your hunger hormones are balanced. And we do that together. But if I had to tell your listeners, because I know they're grasping for it, what I really like to do is encourage my clients to move away from processed foods and move into whole foods, move away from processed sugar and flour and move into whole foods. And that does not mean by any means, no carbs at all. And my clients, most of them do what I call like a yummy mummy munchie. So they do kind of a swerve eat once a day if it's really small or like once a week. So there's always room. Like I always tell my clients, like you can eat whatever you want, probably not whenever you want. Like we can't just eat like seven cupcakes a day and weigh what we want. But there is room to eat what you want and feel how you want to feel. So I really think that right now with full plates, if you can if you can brush your teeth, you can brush your brain seriously. And it's just mm-hmm. three minutes, it's five minutes a day, just looking at your day. What did I eat yesterday? Did that work for me? What didn't work for me? How do I want to adjust without shaming yourself? And then what am I going to eat today? And then why? And then following through on that. And as you continue to journal, you'll get better and better at following through on what you said you were going to eat. And it's really great to plan from your prefrontal cortex, like when you're planning, when you're sitting down versus your lower brain. And the moment when you're, you know, at the end of the board meeting and there's sandwiches and chips and cookies, it's not your prefrontal cortex that's going to be making the decisions. It's your lower brain. And your lower brain's job is to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and do it as quickly as possible. So of course, it's going to go for the sandwich and the chips and the pasta salad and the two cookies at the end and the soda or whatever it is. Yeah, Your lower brain wants that hit. So I'm always like, (laughs) it's our culture that designs food. There's literal labs that design food to make you get a bigger hit from that food, processed foods, right? So like we've got the food industry and we've got our lower brains working against us. So that's why we need to plan from our higher brains, from our higher selves, so that we can get the results that we want. Yeah. And it makes so much sense because just like when you plan in the morning, here's what I'm going to work on today. If you plan what you're going to eat, you're just much more likely to do it. And I feel like every time I eat something that I wish I hadn't, that makes me feel like crap or have no energy. It's never planned. (laughs) It's always like, I'm tired. I'm going to eat a couple cookies and I'm going to feel good for like five minutes and then I'm going to feel like total crap. So that makes so much sense to me. And that feels so accessible Mm. and easy. So what are what's like the number one problem that your clients have when they start working with you? Like what do they realize about the way that they have been eating or like what stresses them out the most? Yeah, so this is this is so funny. We're totally right on the same wavelength because I was going to bring this up. I think for your audience, well for <laughs> for all the humans really, we don't realize that we're emotional eaters. Most of us in our culture, we are emotional eaters. Now, our culture depicts emotional eating as having the most stressful day ever, coming home, eating a pint of ice cream, you know, (laughs) 
having a whole bag of chips and then the gummy bears and then like this big binge fest, right? Mm-hmm. But that's, not, I mean, that is emotional eating, could be, whatever. But emotional eating is eating food anytime you're not hungry. Like, so if you're a little bored and you grab a couple nuts, or you're a little restless. So you have the rest of your kids grilled cheese. Anytime you're eating and you're not hungry, that's an emotional eat. And there's an emotion that we can look at and process through. So that's a huge thing that my clients learn is that they're emotional eaters. And then we solve for that inside the program. We learn, this is a skill that I feel like we should all be taught, but we're not taught how to feel through the stress, through the frustration, through the boredom. It's really actually not that hard at all. It's just that we haven't been taught. So I think that's a huge kind of light bulb moment for a lot of my clients. Like, oh, I'm, I'm eating for positive emotions, right? This isn't that fun. So I'm going to eat to make it more fun. And that's another version of an emotional eat. Or another version of an emotional eat is I said I wasn't going to have the gummy bears or whatever. And now I want the gummy bears. And so I'm going to eat the gummy bears because I don't want to feel uncomfortable not having the gummy bears. That's another emotional eat. And so I teach all my clients, how do we feel through that discomfort? And it's, again, it's really not that hard, but I think that's a big, it was a big mind blowing moment for me. Like, I never identified as an overeater, actually, or um, an emotional eater. But then I really learned like, oh, any time, like <laughs> if hunger isn't the problem, food isn't the solution. Like, yeah, that's so simple. Say that again, because that yeah. is so simple and so profound. Like if hunger isn't the problem, food isn't the solution. <laughs> that makes so much sense. It can help to be like, what's really going on? Like if you notice you find yourself in the snack room or you find yourself standing in front of the fridge, and you're not hungry, like just ask you, hey, like, what do I really need? Hey, like, what's really going on for me? And it can be like really kind of sweet. It's a nice way to get to know yourself, actually. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. And I do feel like this is the bonus of you being a life coach and then coaching. I know you know a lot about hormones and macros and you know all that kind of stuff, but being a life coach and stopping to look at your feelings and your thoughts, which we know drives everything we do. So that's yeah. awesome. I think that's another one of the the kind of the mind, like the thing that my clients come in and they're like, oh, it's really my, my thoughts are creating my results here. Like I get clients all the time. I'm a special unicorn. I really can't lose weight. If you think you can't lose weight, you won't lose weight. If you think it's hard, it's hard, right? And so really teaching clients that this is another thing we're not taught, like how to think. I literally teach my clients how to think, what thoughts are. Do you want to believe them? Because if you continue to believe that you can't lose weight, you will continue to live in a body that is not your (laughs) dream come true weight body, right? Like, yeah, we really look at, you know, we really distill that down and, and teach them how to think so that they can have the results that they want in their lives. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's exactly what I do with my clients too, but it's just a different, different result. (laughs) Okay, last thing, and then I'll ask you to tell us where people can find you and follow you and all the things. What about the people-pleasing eating? This is something that you taught me that I think is so interesting because we talk a lot about people-pleasing on this podcast. Yes. Okay. So if you've ever gotten a little gift from your coworker and then they're like standing there and they're like waiting to see if you're going to eat it, but you're not hungry and you don't actually really like the crumble cookie flavor they bought. Like you're probably people pleasing eating. Anytime we eat to ensure 
that the people around us don't feel a certain way, don't feel disappointed, don't feel whatever, that's a people-pleasing eat. And I get this other vision, Michelle, around us walking around. I'm like, we're all walking around with like five to 10 to 15 pounds of people-pleasing pounds because we're afraid our mother-in-law is going to get mad at us if we don't eat the special gluten-free pie that she made us, right? And so it's like the willingness to let other people have their emotions and to let them feel whatever they want to feel about what we're doing or not doing. And that, you know, that that takes courage, but it's so worth it because I always say like we have to be willing to disappoint our mother-in-law, our friend, our coworker, whoever, in order to appoint, in order to be our future selves, to be who we really want, we have to, I mean, people are going to, even if you do everything perfectly and correctly and you eat the exact right amount of chips and dip, like people are still going to judge you. They're still going to have thoughts. So it's like, yeah, let's at least live the lives that we want to live. People are going to think whatever they're going to want. Yeah. Instead of trying to, <laughs> yes. When my clients worry about, well, I'm worried they won't like me. I'm like, what if they already don't like you before you even did all this? You know, like they're, people are judging us all the time. So just bring the focus back to you. I used to really feel your example of the boardroom because I've been in many boardrooms with sandwiches and chips and all that stuff. And I really, hated when people would say like, aren't you going to have a cookie? Or why are you having a, why are you eating the salad instead of the chips? And it was like, should I just eat, should I just get a bag of chips? So nobody's going to say something to me about not eating the chips. And it was like, I was trying to make, okay, I eat healthy, but I'm just like you, I can have chips too. You know, it's just so silly. Yeah. It's like playing along, playing along. It's like, yeah, but why? Like, I don't even actually want the chips. I'm just doing it so that I can make you feel comfortable. Yeah. It's just, it's so backwards. And and you're so right. People are going to judge us, even if we're doing it perfectly. Like, even if we could like be a freaking robot, they're still going to judge us. So like you pick, like the people are going to judge you if you're perfect and they're going to judge you if you're doing it your way. So you might yeah. as well do it just the way yeah, you want. Exactly. Might as well please somebody yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like fun to kind of like, you know, test these things out. Like, okay, I'm not going to people please eat for two weeks or a month. And then you can always go back. You can always go back to people pleasing. Like just show yourself that you don't die from saying no, thank you. It's like, I always think about like vegetarians or people that eat in certain ways for religious reasons. Like they're just like, no, I, I, w- I don't want the shrimp cocktail. And most people are like, oh, okay. It's, it's usually when we have these big emotions and big feelings about like what other people, like people can pick up on that. And then they start to go, oh, are you going to have a cookie? Are you going to have the shrimp? Like usually if you're like, oh no, I'm good. People are like, oh, okay. Like, I remember we have this, oh, because people want to eat for traditions too, right? So we have this tradition in my house where we make these like little mini grilled cheeses on Christmas Eve. It's a whole long story. But we have this tradition and it was going to be like the first year that I was like not having flour and sugar. Of course, I could have made it my yummy mummy munchie, right? Or my like swervy for, for the week or the day. But I just didn't want to. I just didn't want the bread. I genuinely didn't want it. And I had this whole speech prepared about like what I was going to do and why I wasn't having it and the whole thing. And I'm like, no one asked me. Like, no one cared. <laughs> no like, one I was like, cares. guys, aren't you mad that I'm not having the bread? And everyone was like, we literally don't care. And I was like, oh, most people don't care when you have your own back. Like when you know, and most people will be supportive. Like, you know, it's like people are like, I don't know. I can't, I can't say no to that, to her special peppermint bark that she makes every year. I'm like, well, my friend Leanne over here, she's saying no to shrimp and pork all day long because she's Jewish. No one's saying anything. Yeah. 
And it's just fine. Yeah, exactly. My Nana used to always say, don't flatter yourself. Nobody's thinking about you anyway. <laughs> you know, like, don't worry about it. It's so true. And the few people that do, it's usually their stuff. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're dealing with something. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I, I quit eating dairy like a year ago because it made me feel crappy. And now, I mean, first of all, it's not a big deal. People will be like, that's so awful. How do you do that? I'm like, it's actually not that big of a deal. Yeah. But the times when I have eaten it is totally in people-pleasing situations, like at someone else's house and I don't want to say anything. And then literally one time I did that and I got sick to my stomach for the whole night. And I'm like, why on earth would I put something in my body that literally feels sick just so I could say, you know what? I can't eat that pizza. I don't want to eat that pizza. It's crazy. It is crazy. And I think about that with like sugar and flour. Like for me, sugar actually makes me sick. And I'm like, maybe I'm like actually allergic to sugar. And it's just like yeah. not not PC to be allergic to sugar. But I'm like, sugar makes me, I have a cashew and nut allergy. I'm like, sugar makes me feel just as bad as eating cashews. But like nobody gives me crap about the cashews, right? I'm like, what if I, you know, I'm allergic to processed sugar. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe you should start saying that. <laughs> it's so fascinating. And it's so interesting to what you say. Like it's just really not that bad. Probably because, you know, it's not filling a, dairy wasn't filling a void there. And I think to your audience too, I think a lot of times when we're really overwhelmed or we're stressed and we don't have a lot of true pleasures, we want to use food for pleasure, but it ends up being a false pleasure because it ends up giving us this net negative and it ends up causing more stress and more overwhelm. So I'm like, I've I, I just been thinking about your audience and I'm thinking like, if you do feel stressed or overwhelmed or like it's too much or whatever, like how can you get the pleasure that food, like I'm not saying that you know your whole audience is, is using food to solve for overwhelm, but if you are, what is something else that can give you the hit that food gives you, but doesn't give you the negative effects? You know, whether that's like a walk in the sunshine or uh, early to bed or a bath or mm -hmm. a show or like even for some, I'm like, this is going to be like so crass for me to say out loud, but like even some of my clients, and this is me too, like for me, a glass of wine is actually a net neutral for me, but having a bunch of gummy bears is a net negative. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll have a glass of wine and I'm not going to have the gummy bears, you know? And that actually works for me and there's no shame in that. Yeah, totally. Exactly. I feel like everything can be too much and make you feel like crap. But if you can have the glass of wine and feel better than you feel with the gummy bears, go for the glass of wine. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh my gosh. Okay, so where can people find you? Like, tell us where they should go. So they should, if you guys are podcast listeners, you should come over and we should have Michelle on my pod too. It'd be so fun. To the Yummy Mommy podcast with Laura Conley. And then you guys can find me on Instagram as well at Laura Conley Coaching. And my name is L-A-U-R-A-C-O-N-L-E-Y. Um, and you can also go to lauraconley.com if you want to check out the Yummy Mommy experience, which is my six-month group coaching program and course that guarantees you lose weight for the last time. So either lose weight or your money back. Guaranteed. Dang. Guaranteed. <laughs> you must feel strongly about your program. That's great. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I love it. <gasps> I love it. That's so great. Okay. Wonderful. Thanks for being here. I'll link all that in the show notes. And I appreciate it. I learned so much just from interviewing you today. So thank you. Thanks so much, Michelle. I really appreciate it. So fun. 
Thank you for listening to the Overwhelmed Working Woman podcast. If you want to learn more about my work, head over to my website at michellegothier.com. See you next week. Thank you.